change around my team, yeah, we off the leash. You could look us in the eyes and see we have peace. Black and gold, that's the colors when we go to war. When we step up on that field, you go hear my roar. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. Yeah, nobody hitting harder. Better keep your guard up, cause with everything we drop, we can score it when we wanna. Welcome to Pod Community. I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Mike, big week this week. I don't know if you know, but Adele dropped her new song. Have you <laughs> been playing it as much as I have been? I have not heard it, to be honest with you. How, why but, are we uh, friends? I don't know. I don't know, but <laughs> you know. But I will say this, you know, something that I thought I would never say. I tweeted this out. I saw Hanson live. You the, did. Uh, they were at the last Elks game, weren't they? Yeah, they were. And Gosh darn it, they were actually pretty, I, you know, they're not my cup of tea, you know, musically, you know, I'm, I'm not going to listen to, uh, you know, a Hanson CD or anything like that, but I can appreciate that they were a good live act, you know what I mean? Like, they could they could play their instruments, and they sounded good, so uh, thumbs up to Hanson. I was not expecting much, uh, especially with the sound system at, uh, at Commonwealth, but they actually brought out speakers onto the field, so it actually sounded decent, unlike other previous halftime acts so uh thumbs up to them so this wasn't a flow rider redux this was uh, much better than no. that it was much better yeah were you yeah, at that you yeah. were at that one weren't you oh yeah that was the uh that was the comeback by the tie cats the jeremiah mazzoli that was game. the mazzoli completion game wasn't it yes it was okay okay yes, was. so yeah well i mean you know what i've seen a couple of half to going to a couple of great cups seen a couple of halftime acts this might get me shot. I thought Beaver's halftime act was actually pretty good when he was in Toronto. Like, again, not my cup of tea, but I thought he was he was decent. But I mean, nothing's going to top the halftime act for the Super Bowl that's coming up. But we, did, I think we discussed that last time. We don't mm-hmm. really have to go into it. I, I'm kind of surprised they haven't really hasn't really been any chatter about the halftime act for the Grey Cup this year. We're we're not that long nice. long away, and they haven't really brought it up. No. I mean, I'm assuming with it being more of a low key Grey Cup, and we'll talk about the Hamilton Grey Cup. In a little bit, because uh, there's big news on that front, obviously. Um, I don't know. Maybe they won't go with like a, a really big band. Maybe it will be someone like the Arkells. That'll be the halftime act, which will be, you know, a little more niche and definitely very Canadian and definitely very Hamilton, but not like, you know, Keith Urban big. But I don't know. just feels like there hasn't been as much chatter about the Grey Cup halftime act. But I guess it'll probably come sooner before the game than, than maybe we think. Yeah, you'd think so. You'd think they'd be announcing that the next couple of weeks because we're we're getting into November here shortly, so yeah, I, I think it'd be a a great choice to have the Arkells for sure. Yeah, well, we'll wait. I mean, I you, like I think we've said this numerous times whenever they announce these halftime acts. We don't go to watch the music; we go to watch the game. No. But any any musical yeah. act, it's it's whatever. Like I don't mm. I don't get too up or too. I mean, I will get up if it's a really good act, like the Super Bowl is going to be. But I don't really get too down because if it's not for me, it's not for me. I, not everything has yeah. to be for you, right? So. It is what it is. Um, okay, before we get into the Ticats game that's now almost two weeks old, we have to do our weekly t-shirt giveaway. Uh, thanks to our good friends at Tarps Apparel for giving us our their Ticats Legends shirts to give away on the show. Um, on the last episode, which feels like forever ago now, we asked, what item did I give away that angered my father? And the answer was a Detroit Red Wings Bob Probert jersey. So we got a number of responses to this. And to the people out there that said, it's a sweater not a jersey. I hate that. I'm not I, like it's a goddamn jersey, is it not? Like, wh- wh- what's with a sweater? Yeah. It's not a sweater. Yeah, that's that's like old school hockey stuff. Uh, I call it a jersey. It's a jersey. But, it's got a name. Yeah. It's got a number. It's got a logo. It's a jersey. Mm, like, mm. let's just go. So, um, we got a number of responses to this. So, I'm gonna hit. Uh, you're gonna do your old drum machine thing, there, buddy. I'm gonna hit yep. the button. We're gonna find out who wins this week's T-shirt. And the winner is. Oh, this is this is a good one. Longtime listener and actually a pretty good friend of mine, Tina, 
won the shirt this week. She has been angling and hoping to win a shirt. She finally will win one, so uh, I will reach out to her. We will reach out to her this week. So congratulations, Tina, on winning your choice of Ticats Legends t-shirts. That is awesome. Um, so unless you want to talk about Adele's new song for the next 40 minutes, uh, which I don't think you do because you haven't heard it, I guess we should probably talk about some football, eh? Yeah, I suppose so. I suppose so. Does so, she still have those pipes with uh, losing all that weight, though? No. No, she still sings just as good as ever. It's, it's, it's a masterpiece, okay. my friend. It's, ah, it's, ah, good, good. it's awesome. It's awesome. Um, I, there's a lot going on in this one, I, in this game. Like, it's another loss by the Ticats. It's another close loss. One point to the Argos, this time at home as opposed to at BMO. I, I'm not even sure where we start here because there was kind of a lot going on. Do we start with the field goal at halftime that's caused so much controversy? Do we talk about the controversial calls, the pass interference, the roughing the passer? Like, where where do we kind of start with this? I feel like we should start with the field goal, no? Yeah, we, we get into that. It's, what do you uh... think? Because at the game, I actually had a, my friend sitting next to me, and she said, I don't know if that went in. And then I didn't think anything of it because, like, unless you're sitting, like, directly behind or directly in front of the, the, the goalpost, you can't really tell. You're always sitting on the side. And then I saw the the replay of it when I got home, and I'm like, how the hell did that count? It yeah. really did, looked like it did not go in, did it not? Yeah, it didn't look like it went in to me. Um, it looked like it was wide. Uh, it was hard to tell because the kick was so high, but um, you know, just from the replays and all that, I, I, I thought it was no good. Um, now you're not going to get the best advantage. I mean, the, the refs underneath the goalposts are obviously going to get the best view, but... Um, that was the closest field goal I've ever seen, and I thought it was—I thought it was wide. And you watched from—I was at the game, so you watched from home. I saw—I saw a video of it, and I'm pretty sure I, heard, I think it was Rod Smith doing the call, and I was like, "That's no good." Wait, it's good. Like he was seemed to be mm-hmm. confused as well. Did the panel talk about this at all at halftime? I don't think they got into it that much, actually. No, I don't. I think they kind of brushed it aside. Um, I usually don't watch. I can't remember though. I didn't. I usually don't watch halftime because uh, it sucks. Shows. Because it sucks, and Kay Burness. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I I I think I saw someone tweet that they didn't really get into it. Okay, because I was just curious what they. I mean, we're we're busy men. I don't have enough time to go back and watch a three-hour football game, especially a three-hour football game that the Tigers actually lost. And mm-hmm. uh, I just I, I just saw the, the the the. I'm just like, okay, that doesn't look like it's in. And I and I hear people say, like, oh, if it goes over. And here's here's my issue with this too. The NFL had this problem years ago. I mean, probably decades ago now, and they extended the height of the goalposts. Like, the CFL goalposts, and I didn't really think about this until this past week, they're really kind of low, don't you think? Like, comp- especially compared to NFL ones. Those NFL ones seem to go up, like, yeah, 50, 60 never, feet. And these ones I go never up, really noticed. I, I never noticed until this, because it's like, how often do you see an NFL kick go over the post? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then, yeah. I'm look- and then I was watching, obviously, in the aftermath of this game, I watched NFL games in the, on the following Sunday, and I was looking at and I think it came. I think it was that was the week, if I'm not mistaken, where Cincinnati and, and Green Bay kept missing field goals. So, like, obviously, I was paying attention. And I'm looking, and I'm like, man, there's uh, those goalposts. I think are are significantly higher. So, and you you heard a bunch of people say, oh, if it goes over the goalposts, it counts. My issue with that is, if the goalposts are higher, and that kick would have gone where over the goalposts would have been, it would have hit the goalposts and not gone in. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just how so happens that he was so close and maybe it went over the goalpost. But if those goalposts are 10, 20 feet higher, it clanks off the off of it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it just seems like it feels to me like it ha- it should go. The rule should not be if it goes over the post, it counts. It should be it has to go inside yeah. the uprights. That to me should be that would when make the kick sense. is good. Yeah, that would make sense to me um, because, you know, that field goal at the end of the half, it uh... – I know it doesn't come down to one play, but uh, you it know, yeah, changes put those the way points the game is played, though. Yeah, exactly. Like um, the Argos aren't driving at the end of the game to get a field goal; they're driving at the end of the game to get a touchdown. Like, yeah. let's say the game play, and it's it's foolish to say this, but let's say the game plays out the exact same way. The Tie Cats go down; they get that field goal. The Argos aren't down twenty three twenty one; they're down twenty three to eighteen. Now they have to score a touchdown. That's a completely different. The Ticats are playing a completely different defense. Now, I mean, they the, the defense on that last drive was absolutely atrocious anyway. Like, you were giving yeah. up chunk plays, like like 10 to 
seven to 12 yard plays in the middle of the field, the entire draft. I was like, what are you doing? The Argos, and this is to their credit, completely exploited the Ticats in the second half with like these intermediate plays. I'm sure you noticed this as well. It was like, mm-hmm. it seemed like every pass they were completing, it was, they were getting seven or eight yards in the catch and then another four or five yards. And it was like, they just kept doing it over and over again. The Ticats had no, no way to stop it. It was infuriating. Um, but it's a completely different game if that doesn't count. Yeah, and I just, it, it just seems that the defense is like solid throughout the whole game. And then we get to the fourth quarter and, uh, you know, it's easy pickings for the other, for the opposing team. It's mm-hmm. just very frustrating. I mean, Toronto scored 19 points in that fourth quarter. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Maybe like, I understand the prevent, you know, the sitting back when you're in the lead, but it's just like, damn, man, we can't stop anybody in the fourth quarter. Yeah, but not for a whole quarter. You play that, like when they played Calgary, when they beat Calgary, they were up by like two scores, and then Calgary had that drive. Mayer comes in for for Bo and has to drive and scores a touchdown. Everyone's like, oh, look at the score. But it's like, in that situation, you're like, they need to score a touchdown. Then they need to get an onside kick. You know what I mean? Like it's, a lot has to go wrong for that game to go that way. And it was so late in the game. I think Calgary scored like under a minute left, if I'm not mistaken. So it's like the chances of this going sideways is very slim. And if it does, it does. And then you're, you know, where you and I would be on here criticizing it, but it didn't. So we didn't, you know what I mean? You can't nursing a two point lead with a defense that for the most part played a really excellent, especially early. Like what was the score at halftime? Like 13, five or something. It was, it was, they, they had dominated that first half of play. And the second half starts, the offense can't get going. The defense is on the field too much. And like you said, the Argos scored 19 points in the fourth quarter. Like yeah. it's, it, the defense has held this team in most of the games they played this year. But in this one, uh, especially on that final drive and in the final quarter, they kind of let them down. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I don't want to put, you know, any of the previous losses on the defense. Cause for the most part, the offense has been just not very good, but yeah. I mean, you look at the first quarter, zero points for Toronto. Uh, second quarter, five points. Third quarter, zero points. And then 19, as we said, in the fourth, it's like, what are we doing differently? Like, can we can we hold on to a lead? Like, we need we need the defense to step up when we need it. So, uh, but but you could say the same thing about the offense. I mean, they were second and goal um, inside the five, I think, on on the last drive of the game for them. And they settle for a field goal. I mean, we punch that touchdown in, and it's a, it's a totally different ball game. Well, they punch the touchdown in, and I don't think the Argos, like, would, that would have put them up by nine. No, yeah. Because it would have been what? What, what? what was They scored 23, so it would have been 28. Um, I guess it would have been up by seven. I'm an idiot. I can't do math. But still. Yeah, still. but still. Then, again, the Argos have to drive for a touchdown. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's a completely different ball game. And I, I was, like, scratching my, like, pulling my hair out in anger, like why they, they get inside the five and they, they, they run the ball twice. Mm-hmm. And like, I know the run game had been working and for the most part, but they kind of abandoned that in the second half anyway. Cause for some reason, and this, this is driving me nuts too. The offense in the third quarter does dick all. And it's not just yeah. like, I, I think the first time I really noticed it was the Ottawa game with Watford. Remember they went like 20 something minutes of game time without picking, or it might've even been longer that without picking up a first down. And then it's like, I chalked it up to, okay, it's a conservative game plan. They don't want to expose Watford too much, yada, yada, yada. But I've noticed it's, it's been the same no matter who's at quarterback. It's, it's been the same. It was the, the, the Toronto game they lost in Toronto, the offense didn't do anything after halftime until after Evans got hurt and on the very last drive of the game. Like, the offense, and I thought the offense was, was like, numbers-wise – was pretty darn good in this game. Like, they ran the ball well. Mazzoli, I think, played by far his best game. And if he can keep this up, I think the Ticats are going to win a few more games down the stretch here and, and be be a team that no one's going to want to play in the playoffs. But you got to score points. And to have the ball first and goal inside the five and to not punch it in, that's disappointing. It, it is really disappointing. It's um, But I, I'm with you. I thought, <clears throat> I thought the offense was uh, pretty darn good this game. I mean, you look at the passing game, uh, Jeremiah Mazzoli had really good numbers, 24-33, 361 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, he had a couple nice, uh, you know, long throws that uh, that bombed to Jalen Ackland, who, who did a, a great job oh, adjusting the touchdown catch? in the end zone. Yes. Oh, yeah, that, that was, was, that was, that was really good. That was a great adjustment by Ackland. Double covered? Yeah. yeah, that was a thing of beauty. The one to Tim White that got him out of 
the the jam they were like deep in their own end and he throws a bomb to white and i think white gets like 60 yards or something like that 55 mm-hmm. 60 yards he i thought i thought this was mazzoli's best game and i thought he he didn't turn the ball over he was efficient like almost 75 percent completion percentage he goes over 300 like we had you you put out the tweets after the games like okay we lost vent your anger at us and i see so many reactions of we can't play mazzoli and it's like after this game how do you put this on the quarterback Yes. The offense, yeah, it struggled at points, especially in the third quarter. But when a quarterback does this, how do you how do you legitimately sit there and say this is the quarterback's fault? It doesn't make any sense to me. I could look at the ga- previous games that Jeremiah Mazzoli played, <clears throat> and maybe you could you could put the blame on him. Mm-hmm. You know, not all the blame, obviously, but he didn't have his best games. But I thought that he looked like the Jeremiah Mazzoli of you know 2019, 2018. In this one, and I thought the the offensive line played a lot better too. Um, you know, he didn't have a ton of pressure on him the whole game. I mean, there was some, but but not what we've seen. Um, you know, throughout the whole season, and the running game was was pretty decent with Malik Irons and you know Mazzoli ran the ball four times. And you know, if you add them all up, all the players that touch the ball in the run game, it's it's over a hundred yards. So um, I thought they did a good job opening up holes for them as well. No, I. I, the, my only complaint with the offense, I've said it already, is is when they got out first. First off, when they just couldn't do anything, start the second half. Like I, I, if we were to break down what they did in the third quarter offensively, it would be despicable. Like it was just, it was terrible. It was, it took a game that was already not great and made it even less fun to watch. And I just don't know why they got away from running the ball because they were doing it so well. Malik Irons had seven carries for fifty nine yards. Like that's an eight and a half yard per carry average. I think he's, he's the guy like, no, I like Sean Thomas Arlington. He had the really nice touchdown catch on uh, Mike's patented screen pass. Um, Mm -hmm. But Malik Irons, I think is, is, is a guy that they got to seriously consider giving more of a featured role in the run game. Cause I think he runs with power. I think he runs with vision. I think he's also elusive. I think he's, he never goes down on first contact and this is not a knock at, Sean Thomas Erlington, I think he's, he's really good too. But I think he might be better suited for that Archie Amerson role. Do you remember Archie Amerson came in? He was a running back for the Ticats. They mm-hmm. they then moved him into the slot. And then you have a guy like Sean Thomas Erlington, who is a talented Canadian. And that's not to say that the, the guys that they've been putting out there, receiver, Canadian receivers, aren't talented. But I think he can do – I think he's better than who, who they've had a receiver so far this year. And then you can get Irons in, in the backfield, and it helps with the ratio – and I think he's I think Malik Irons is a guy that could could carry the ball 10, 12, 15 times in a game and, and be really effective. Yeah, I thought he he's looked really good as well when uh, given the opportunity. And <clears throat> maybe Sean Thomas Rillington just isn't, uh, you know, the number one running back, you know, that's going to carry the ball every time you mix, you mix him in with uh, Malik Irons or a Don Jackson and he can be effective. But I don't know if he's an every down back. I think he, I think he should be used more as an offensive weapon than any sort of mm-hmm. specific position, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, like a pinball type of deal. Sure. Yeah. yeah, like sometimes he carries the ball, or like Braylon Addison. Sometimes he carries the ball. Sometimes mm-hmm. he sometimes he runs the like. There's there's different. I think you can use him in a multitude of ways, and I think he's talented enough to be successful no matter how you get him on the football. Because I like when the, when the ball's in his hands. Like he had the nice touchdown catch in this one. He does good things. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So. There were a couple other controversial referee decisions, at least from my eyes. You can tell me if you think I'm crazy on this. Um, one went the Ticats way, and one went against the Ticats and actually may have been sort of the catalyst for the Argos' comeback. Um, I want to talk about the one that went our way first. That's the pass interference call on uh, Tristan Deku. Live at the game, thought it was decent coverage. On review, I thought, okay, he gets there a little early, but to me still... I don't know if I'd flag that. When when uh, Orlando Steinhauer threw the challenge flag, I was literally sitting in the stands telling my friends, like, I don't know if this one's going to go away. That's really close. And then when it did, I was kind of like, okay, I'm happy because it helps the team. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't really know if I want that being the standard for pass interference. Now, the good thing, I guess, and this is kind of tongue-in-cheek about the CFL is, what happens in one game really doesn't have an impact on any of the others because there's no consistency yeah. in refereeing, so it's not really a big deal. But at the same time, it, that felt a little, little too ticky tacky for me. I thought it was more. I thought if it was interference versus great defense, I thought it was ninety percent great defense, maybe ten percent interference. And to me, that if that's the, 
the weighted sort of advantage one way or the other, I think I would have stuck with no flag. What do you think? Yeah, I'm with you on that. I thought that it was just, it was so close that I would have went, if I was the referee looking at that, I would have said no pass interference because, I mean, he was a little bit early, but uh, like, you know, milliseconds. Yeah, it, it's it like it's so like two close. frames of video early. Yeah. Like, and to me, that's... You watch that's, it live and it's not, yeah. you slow it down and maybe you could call it and that's what they did. I mean, I was happy, but uh, when they when he first challenged it, I was like, uh, I was with you. I don't think that's going to going to work out but it did so yeah and i mean he had to challenge it was late in the game they were down it was the yep. call that got them into field goal range unfortunately it didn't uh, lead to anything the other one was the roughing the passer calling to garrett davis now this one i've been told no it's, it was a helmet to helmet hit it should have been it should have been a flag at the stadium they sh- the one replay they showed didn't really give you a good advantage of where the heads were it just looked like a really hard hit and it erased a Cameron Kelly interception. The Argos get the ball back. They actually end up getting a touchdown on the drive. Completely changes the the nature of that game. You were watching on television, Mike. Did they get the call right? I thought they did. When I watched it live, I was like, they're going to challenge. I think they went to commercial and they came back and they were challenging it. Um, you know, I thought it was high. I, if that hit was on Mazzoli or Dane Evans, uh, I would think it would, you know, I'd want it to be a flag. So to me... Um, the hit was just a little bit too high. Okay. How about here? Here's because of both of these, neither was thrown as a flag in real time. And I know we have replay. I'm not sure I'm, I used to be all for let's, let's get it right. Let's get everything right. Let's sometimes you have to accept human error. And I think we need to scale back replay. I think if the refs don't catch it, unless it's completely egregious, I don't think pass interference should be should be a reviewable play anymore. The NFL tried it and got rid of it. The CFL tried it and has stuck with it. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I'm for that. I'm not sure I'm for rough. Now, if it's if it's, I don't think it should be challengeable. If you review it and it's like, okay, we can review it because we have this eye in the sky and like, I mean, we can talk about that until we're blue in the face about what that actually does. I'm kind of siding on like, let's get replay more out of the game than using it to, and I think it's it's probably more on the pass interference, like, that's just so close. Like, you, if you have to freeze frame it that much, mm-hmm. it's not a flag. And, I mean, you have referees there who are literally staring at the play. Let's just let the guys play. You know what I mean? I, I think that that's where I stand. I think it. I'm, I've come over to the other side of let's maybe overhaul replay and replay fewer things. And I think things like these types of penalties maybe shouldn't be up for coaches to be allowed to challenge. Yeah. I thought they did a good thing limiting the challenges uh, a couple of years ago. You, you remember when it first came in, it was oh. like, ridiculous. It was just like, Oh my God, every second play, you know, they're fishing for yeah. pass interference or well, remember they were, they were looking for like illegal contact, like on the yes. other side of the field to negate yeah. an interception. Sure. So it was brutal. Yeah. That was just, it slowed down the game completely. It was just a, a total a bad thing for the league. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't be mad if they got rid of the pass interference. You know, reviewable pass interference. I, I would not be mad about that either. And you remember, it's like the reason they brought it in was that playoff game in Guelph, right? When Deron Carter, um, Evan got McCullough with, but Evan yeah, McCullough interfered um, them on a play that uh, would have been pass interference in the end zone, would have set up the Owls down three mm-hmm. on the goal line for one more play. Can you imagine if they made to the great cap that year? Troy Smith as the quarterback. It just would have been. Well, what was that? That was the year that we got whooped by Saskatchewan, right? Oh, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. that was the year we got whooped by Saskatchewan. Yeah. would have got dismantled. Yeah, they, that might have been a shutout. Like, they might have been yeah. They might have been like 50 to nothing. But, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I just, the past interference, like, there's some things that uh, I'm cool with them, uh, you know, challenging and reviewing, but. Pass interference, it's so subjective sometimes, and, you know, they slow it down, and it just makes, you know, life harder on the DBs who are just trying to do their job. Yeah, I think scoring plays should be reviewed. I think a play where it's like, did a guy catch the ball and get his feet in bounds? <laughs> like, things that you can tangibly see, like, oh, his foot is in bounds. Oh, his foot is out of, you know what I mean? Like, those types of things, get because that's hard. Like, how many times watching... NFL or college or CFL, do you see uh, 
catches ruled not catches and they show the replay and it's like oh no he got his feet inbound that's that should be a catch like i think those types of things where it's black and white i think that's where review should should mostly stick to these things that are so bang bang and so like inches and, and centimeters from one or the other let's let it go let's just let the refs call the game review re, like it slows the game down unnecessarily let's Let's let the play on the field dictate, not video cameras, freeze-framing things to make sure, oh, his face mask barely grazed his shoulder. That's a pet. You know what I mean? Like, let, yeah. let's try. Let, let's let's just get it. Let's get it. The, the black and white things with replay, everything else, let the rest decide. And it's funny how we switch because I remember when they were bringing it in, we are like, yeah, let's just yep. get it right. You know what I mean? So, you know, over time, opinions change and uh, we want the flow back. Well, um, and and you see, you're like, oh, let's let's try it, and then for a while it's okay, and then you kind of see it's been bastardized a little bit too much for my liking. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I, we I know we keep I seem to keep harping on it, but that pass interference call, like, could you imagine if that was in a playoff game, and that yeah, sets up a team, up. whether whether it's for your team or against, you'd be watching that going like, come on, like that's what we're gonna yeah. get to, like I don't know. I mean, they always I'd be say, so like, the, pissed if that was uh, yeah. past interference on Hamilton yeah. in, like, a Grey Cup game or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I remember, I think it was 2015, there was a, like, basically, Edmonton won the Grey Cup because of a past interference yep. call uh, yep. that was reviewed. Um, and maybe it was, the you know, the right call to change it or whatever. But, yeah, I I just, I want teams to win because, you know, to play on the field, not because a coach challenged something and it was so close that they just had to overturn it you know what i mean so it's a tough one i think they're screwed either way you know uh if they take pass interference away and then there's a bad uh, missed call and the fans are going to rip into the refs right so uh it's a tough one yeah it's yeah i mean i don't feel i don't feel easy with the refs like there's it's 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 hard no matter what like it Mm -hmm. it it really is so i don't know it's just after this i just felt like I don't know. It feels like maybe we're trying too much to get everything right, and I don't know if that's the right way to go. But, uh, I mean, it's here It's here for now, so what do we know, right? Yeah, man, not much. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. We don't really know that much. Um, okay, player of the week. This this was uh, a little tough, but uh, this one might be controversial. I'm probably going to piss off a lot of people who uh, want to run this guy out of town on a on a mm. mule. But uh, who, do, who, do you, who do we got this week, Mike? This week's Podsky Player of the Week is Jeremiah Mazzoli. He went Damn 24 right. for 33 for 72.7, uh, 361 yards, two touchdowns, no interception, and a, a long pass of 60 yards. So, you know, we got uh, a lot of reaction, and people, you know, there's some people out there that just do not like Jeremiah Mazzoli. And uh, as we said earlier, like, I, I thought that, you know, some of the blame could have been put on him in previous games this season. But not this one. He he performed very well. Yeah, I thought, and I think we agree on this. I think you probably already said it. His best game of the year by far. This was his mm. best performance. I thought he was exceptional in this. I think if this is the Jeremiah Mazzoli we're going to see the rest of the year, um, I think the Ticats can can do some damage in, in the last five weeks of the regular season and into the playoffs. So uh, I think a very deserving positive player of the week for sure with Jeremiah Mazzoli. All right, moving on to our next topic, which is talking some Ticats news. And the big news of the past week was the announcement that the Grey Cup will be coming to Hamilton. And no, I'm not talking about this year's. Two years from now, the Grey Cup will be coming back to Hamilton. And a giant celebration will be happening in 2023 with the Grey Cup coming here again. This, I've seen some mixed reactions, but most of it has been positive. I think this is the right call Hamilton's not going to have the full Grey Cup experience this year. We know it's going to be kind of a subdued experience. A lot of people aren't making the trip. Um, We know that it's going to be full capacity, although I don't think they're putting in any temporary stands, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, So it's going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of of 25,000 or so people. So it's definitely a much more scaled back version. And with COVID still being a thing, I think that that's understandable. The parties aren't going to be as – it's not going to be the full Grey Cup experience that we were hoping for when this was announced a couple of years ago. So I think yeah. bringing it here, almost like a, a dry run, essentially. You're, you're going to work out a lot of kinks in some of the things. It's like, oh, this didn't work. Let's try this. You know, I think that's kind of good. And then you go to Regina for hopefully what is 
2022, the return of like the full Grey Cup experience. Then you come back here in 2023. I think I think this is a good idea. I know that some people are like it's a hard sell, like two Grey Cups in three years. But there's it, we've been so starved in this city to host a Grey Cup. I think this is going to be a success in a subdued way this this upcoming December and in full in two years. I think this was a no brainer, and I think the CFL got this right 100. percent yeah, I'm with you on that. You know, there's a lot of complaints out there, but um, it's circumstance, right? I mean, if mm-hmm. this was normal, we're living in the normal world, you know, there are a couple of years ago, our normal world without this uh, virus or whatever. Um, I could see people complaining, you know, two and three years. That's, you know, that's a lot. I'd be with but, them. I'd be white rhythms. Yeah. Yeah. But like, what the hell are you doing? You know, you don't want to um, overexpose the Grey Cup in, in one city, right? So, uh, but yeah, with the fan festivities you know not being what they normally are and all that stuff i think it's i think it's the right choice and for all the people that are complaining oh two years you know the hotel situation there's you know airbnbs are a thing now um you know there's there's going to be lots of places to stay so i i don't i don't see all the complaints about that all the complaints that i'm seeing from people are the same complaints i saw when this was announced for this year a couple of years ago and i say to those people it's not 1996 Hamilton is like maybe you haven't been to Hamilton in 25 years not remotely close to the same city maybe you have to stay in Burlington or Waterdown or Stony Creek it's a 10 minute Uber to get where you need to go like it's not we're not this isn't the nothing going on nowhere to stay Hamilton of the of the 90 like this is a completely different city and I'm as a as a proud native Hamiltonian, I'm getting a little tired of people being like, "Well, what? How? Where am I supposed to stay? And how far? Like, do you really think Burlington's all that? Fr- like, if you if you don't know the geography of the area, then fine. But shut the hell up with your criticisms mm. until you've actually experienced it. Yeah. And I, I'm with you. I think if this was regular, if we were doing 2021 full blown Grey Cup, tw- coming back two years from now would have been. I don't think it would have happened, but it would have been completely no. Id- idiotic. Look what look what we've seen with BC and Toronto. Now, granted, not as CFL rabid as Hamilton is, but when BC hosted in 2011 and then again in 2014, that 2014 one wasn't as successful. When Toronto hosted in 2012 and then again in 2016, that 2016 one wasn't as successful. It's been proven that you can't come back to the same location too soon, but I think this is the exception because mm-hmm. – you're not getting the full Grey Cup experience in Hamilton in 2021. You will get it in 2023. And I think because it's been so long since, you're going to have – I think this this one is going to be much more local and more – yeah, I know. I do know. It gives, I'm sure you've seen the same tweet. We follow a lot of the same CFL people on Twitter. A lot. Some people are coming and some people are going to make the trip. And even if it is a scaled-down version, they're still going to try to enjoy themselves, and that's good. But I think in 2023, you're going to get – now, granted, the only real Grey Cup I have my, I can really pin my pin myself on is 2018 with you. That, mm. I think, is what we'll see in Hamilton in 2023. Yeah, and with the ownership with Bob Young running the team and running the – you know, having a big hand in the festival, I think he's going to be – you know, I think it's going to be a great Grey Cup in 2020. I think, like, this year is going to be great, but um, when they get it back in 2023, I think it's going to be quite the show. And can you say, can you go on the record that you will be here in two years? Yes, I will be here. Be, be here. I will be there in two years for sure. I'm not missing that. Um, All right. Because I know there are plans for you to come this year, but plans have changed, yeah. pal, as, as Vince McMahon likes to say. Yes, yes. Uh, the circumstances have changed. And, um, you know, I got to uh, pay, you know, some cash for the moving and all and all that stuff so it just didn't work out in the covid and uh, you know all that crap so traveling's kind of iffy yeah. right now but uh 2023 i will be there with bells on all right so we can you can start the countdown now loyal listeners i won't make it official because i'm lazy and nobody likes to do anything but there's a good possibility that mike and i might be doing a live show sometime in 2023 to yeah to get you all kind of in the, in the mood. So, uh, yes, I won't, again, not official, but if anyone wants to, uh, if anyone wants to do the legwork, then we'll do it for sure. But yeah, if we got to do any legwork, that's uh, now it's a little bit, it's a little <laughs> bit iffier. <laughs> no, I think that would be, you know, awesome. You know, just uh, a live show type deal and, um, be a lot of fun. Yeah, it would definitely be. And you know what? This also, 
now I'm if the Thai Cats don't win this year, I won't be as angry because I'll have a shot in two years to to do the home thing. So that's true. That's true. I mean, you know, fingers crossed that maybe both years, Josh. Why? Why not both? I mean, why not go three in a row? Go to Regina and win one two. Yeah, three straight. You can pay them back for the 2013 or whatever it was. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Keep them down in their own stadium. Well, we don't know if it's gonna be Saskatchewan, but. You know, that would be kind of cool. All right. All right. So three in a row. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll put that down with the undefeated season as things that we've said on the show that won't come <laughs> yeah. true. But, uh, hey, who knows? It's it's football. Yeah, and the one year I don't pick, you know, a 500 record. It's <laughs> so trending that way. Yeah. From now on, I'm sticking with it. Seven, All right. You seven, know what? Nine and nine, whatever. Do it. Do it because yeah. I, you, you go nine and nine. I'll go undefeated. And at some point, we'll, we'll probably meet in the middle. And we'll yep. both, I'll, we'll, neither of us will be upset because it's like they weren't going to go undefeated, but we're happy they didn't go nine and nine. It's a perfect, yep. it's a perfect middle ground. I like it. I like it. All right. What I don't like, and I'm sure mm-hmm. I can speak for you and say you don't like either, is what the hell is going on where you are in Edmonton? Holy smokes. The Elks are the probably, I won't say literal definition, but the figurative definition of a tire fire. This. I think you said you said it before the show. This was the flagship organization of the Canadian Football League, and now mm. they are. I I don't even know what word to you like. It's just complete disarray. It's ever since, aside from the name change, which was controversial to morons, but mostly mm-hmm. was was well received and got them a lot of uh, good publicity. It's just been one terrible awful thing like back to back to back like we uh, just like before the season i mean scott milanovic quitting with but without ever coaching for the team they fire um dwayne mandruziak i can't remember his name the the equipment manager of the team for 49 years mike that's older than i am that's he he was the equipment manager for, for for edmonton 10 years before i was born they fired him before he could like, come on! You don't let the guy do a fiftieth season. Yeah, That's, and he wanted that too. I've of course heard that, he did. Like, he, he, yeah, of course he did. But it, like, the, you know, that was a big deal to him get to fifty seasons, and you know, to let him go like that is just ridiculous. It's, it's despicable. Then you had more recently. Obviously, the on-field play has been absolutely atrocious. Uh, you have the room, or not even rumors, the report that. Brock Sunderland, the general manager, had banned a Joey Moss, who I think everyone listening to the shows knows who Joey Moss is, banned him from the locker room. And then there was a whole he said, she said thing about, no, we never said he couldn't be a part of the organization. And everyone's like, no one said it organization. He said locker room. It's mm-hmm. just it was a complete mess. You had the Eddie Steele firing. Uh, he was yep. a commentator on the local radio station there. And he, he was he was fired for basically – being honest, which was despicable and absolutely, what was it? CJOB is is that no? What's the what was the? Uh, he's Ch- 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 yeah, six three. That's right, Ched. Yeah. yeah, completely yeah. spineless on their part to, to ax him because they have the rights to the team and the team got mad. Um, yeah. Then you have, well, I mean, the COVID thing. The one team that had a giant COVID outbreak was Edmonton. Uh, mm-hmm. Then you have them benching Trevor Harris. Then they trade Trevor Harris to Montreal, and like that is. Out of all the things, and then you have James Wilder Jr. coming out this past week talking about being unvaccinated and and how the league's not going to allow unvaccinated players to play in the playoffs. And he's like, "Well, I guess it's been fun." And it's like, "Well, I mean, you're not making the playoffs, so why do you even care?" Mm-hmm. It's just been one terrible, just mind-bogglingly stupid thing after another in Edmonton. I, I just like I laid it all out there, and I still can't believe everything that's happened. Yeah, and then there was the one incident. the The former, uh, I don't know, president of the team or something said winning isn't everything or something. Oh, there that's was a right. Big, there was a big thing there. Len Rhodes, and he was yeah. not very well liked here either. No. But uh, yeah, it's just been one thing after the other with this with this Edmonton team. And I don't know, man. Like I was at the last game, and it just attendance just keeps dropping and dropping. This was a team that once you know had the highest attendance every single season. Not that long. I'm probably like the last time. 2019 they probably more than likely top yeah probably edged out saskatchewan by a little bit um but yeah yeah, like uh, just a total guesstimate at the last game i thought there was maybe uh, ten thousand people there it looked Um, dude it looked empty on television they showed like a wide shot and i'm looking at that i'm going this looks like a preseason game like it was was empty yeah i i I 
my dad texted me and asked me, are you at the game? And I was like, yeah. And I sent him a picture. He's like, you're the only one there. <laughs> I'm like, pretty much. Like, what it looked like. Yeah, it was really, it's kind of sad, you know? It's like the flagship franchise has fallen off really bad. And it makes me wonder, like, I thought at the end of the season, you know, they'd probably get rid of the GM, probably get rid of the head coach. But if they're firing, you know, Eddie Steele for, you know, uh, criticizing the GM then makes me think that maybe he's not going to be gone. So it's just a sad scene here at Edmonton. So do you want to touch on the trade or James Wilder being an idiot? What do you want to, what do you want to go do first? Cause I, I think uh, we got to go, go. I think we got to go deep on both. Yeah, let's go. Let's go James. Cause you know how much I love that guy. So, so he, he I said what, what he tweeted out and I actually responded to him. I've been, and I'll, I'll admit this publicly. I've been hesitant to kind of get into the vax, unvaxed stuff. Yeah, me too. I, I, I don't want to. I, I sorry to interrupt you there, but nope. I, I'm totally with you. I don't want to argue with people online about it. Um, you know, we're vaxed. Um, I would like everyone to get vaxed, but there's no point. Like people have made up their minds. They're not going to change their minds because you're talking to them on the internet. So uh, I don't get into it either. No, I've gotten into it a little bit more, and a lot of it has stemmed from my grandmother's passing and how COVID stole the last year of her life from me. I didn't really, I didn't see her because I was afraid there was there were no vaccines, and even when the vaccines were first being rolled out, despite the fact that I work in in, in the public, I wasn't eligible for it until much much until after. I don't think I got my first shot until after I she had already had her terminal cancer diagnoses, which was in late May. I think I got mine in early June when I was finally eligible. I lost the last year of her life trying to keep her safe. And when I see someone who is talking about making sacrifices and I left my family and I take these tests and these are my, and and we, we've, we've, there's, I've talked to key players in the league who have, gone against their beliefs what what beliefs what 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 belief system has you can't take medicine you know what i mean like there there's none that i know of that aren't like wacko and, and again everyone's beliefs are their own and i'm not judging I'm, I'm just saying unless you're like there's some far out there ones that like you can't even have like tylenol james wilder jr yeah. does not follow that doctrine like all these people so because of my grandmother, I've kind of waded in, especially the last few weeks. I've, I've been more open to wait. I'm not trying to change. I'm not going to change anyone's mind. I'm not. I, I understand that. Me calling you a moron is not going to get go have you go out and get a needle. But the more I see of, of people being hesitant towards it, it's like, oh man. But you know, I, I don't trust it. Well, you trust the crap that's in a Big Mac, and you don't know what's in it. You fly in a plane. For crying out loud, you, you you ask the pilot like, when's the last time it was inspected? You know what I mean? Like, we as as people are cool with just trusting people and everything, but then this thing happens and, and they don't. So, I responded to him and I basically told him to shove his beliefs up his ass because you're not doing all you can to keep everyone safe. I will say this, despite the fact that I think he's a, he's a dumbass, he did reply to me and it was genuinely a kind reply like basically i'm sorry for your grandmother i hope you're staying strong like he seems like he's he's he seems like a genuinely nice guy like in all honesty like in in seeing how he's responded to some of these criticisms he hasn't he he, to me he's the anti-ricky foley ricky foley Mm -hmm. as people listening to the show know took a bunch of shots at me i don't really care i think he's a moron and just the worst of the worst and i think most people who are aware of what he is know that as well James Wilder seems like a decent enough human being. Like he's like this. This seems to be the one thing. Like yeah, he puts his foot in his mouth. But you know what? Brandon Banks puts his foot in mouth in, in his mouth a lot too. So oh, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm pretty sure Brandon Banks retweeted James Wilder's thing too. Mm-hmm. So like, and I know Brandon Banks has come out and said like, I didn't want to do this, but I did it so I could I could play and like my my some of my like I think he sent out a tweet saying like his grandmother won't even let him in the house now because of the fact and, like so. Look, there's there's a lot going on with, with the way people are brought up and what they think. And again, I'm not trying to say that. But James Watt, like, I basically told him to, to shove his beliefs out of his ass and he responds like that. So it seems to me like he's at least a decent human being. Like, he's a nice guy. But man, does he, does he constantly put his foot in his mouth with this stuff? It's like, yeah. 
he he he's not the worst of the worst. Like people who are like, oh, this is like we had restaurants in, like with the vaccine passports that we have now in Ontario. We had restaurants comparing it to segregation, and it's like, good God, like just leave it alone. And yeah, like Nazism and stuff like that. Yeah, and, and even in him, yeah. he said, oh, we've made this a political issue, and like getting a vaccination is not a political issue. Like we get vaccinations all the time. I. You, you and I were both vaccinated in school. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I remember being in middle school and they gave us the, hep- I think it was hepatitis A and hepatitis C. I think they gave yeah. us vaccines for. So it's yep. like, we didn't, th- and our parents didn't think anything of it. They're like, Oh, you got to, and you have to get like, you know, polio and, and smallpox and all these other things that they've eradicated because of vaccinations and the COVID vaccine. I think we're, we're like, again, I don't want to take this too much into the COVID and the vaccine stuff, but they're basically, about to announce that it's for five to 11 year olds are going to be able to get the vaccine soon. So it's going to end up just being something that kids get with their regular vaccinations when they're born in a few years. You know what I mean? So it's not going to be this like controversial thing, but it's been so divisive unnecessarily in my mind. I, I just don't, I, I, I've kind of lost my train of thought here because I'm just kind of all over the place because it just bothers me that like people are treating this as if it's some massive imposition that they have right. to get in a couple of needles. And it's like, especially in football too, right? Like football's you sacrifice for the man next to you and you're not willing to do this. It's like, what's going Like, why is this the hill you're willing to die on? Yeah. It doesn't, he just, he just comes off kind of dumb, uh, stupid. Yeah. It's, um, and then he like, he, the thing that bothered me is like, he tweets out stuff and it's like, he's trying to make himself the victim mm-hmm. or something and like not bring politics into sports, but like, uh, I don't get. I don't know, man. He's he's just a he's a bit he's a bonehead. Um, but I'm with you. Like I've had interactions with him on Twitter where I criticized him or whatever, and he always comes back with a you know polite response. Um, but yeah, he just doesn't seem to be very bright. So. He honestly seems like someone that if we if you met him, you'd you'd walk away from that meeting going, "That's one of the nicest guys I've ever met." Mm-hmm. Like yep. I like. You know who else was kind of like weird in the head, especially late in his career, that people are like, what a weird – Arlan Bruce. I met mm-hmm. Arlan Bruce a couple of times. Could not have been a nicer human being. Was like asked your – like I remember I went to like a, this mass like Thai cats like autograph thing and every single person that he met was like, what's your name? Where are you from? Like like genuinely interact. Now, whether he retained all that information or not, doesn't matter. But for the 30 to – 30 seconds to 60 seconds that you're with him – you were all that mattered to him. Like genuinely, I feel like James Wilder would be the exact same kind of guy. You'd meet him. Like if there's, if, if, you know, Edmonton's not in the gray cup and we have a gray cup celebration in Hamilton and Wilder's one of the guys that, that comes to like the the thing. I think you would have a great time talking to him. You know what I mean? Like he seems like he'd be a genuinely fun mm-hmm. person to hang around with. He just has this innate ability to make himself look like a complete idiot. And it's like, yeah. I don't, it's, it's just hard to kind of bring the two together, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he, he does seem like a nice guy, but he just is, you know, opinions are a little bit out there. Um, and that's fine to have your own opinion, but when you're putting other people at risk, you know, we all know that is not a good thing. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's move on. Let's get let's get to football stuff. The Trevor Harris trade. You were high on Harris to start the season. Um, then you that spent. Changed. That <laughs> I was gonna say that I was gonna I was gonna get there. <laughs> then, then you spent the last few weeks basically ripping this guy online. Yeah. Um, what do you think of the trade? Went to, traded to Montreal for Antonio Simmons, defensive lineman. Mm. Obviously, this this was predicated because of the Vernon Adams injury, um, and I don't know if I'm breaking any news here. If this has already been. Uh, as far as I know, Adams will not play the rest of the season. Uh, minimum six weeks, possibly 12 weeks before he's back. Basically, his season is over. Um, I mean, I think that, that people can probably put the pieces together. Two plus two equals four. You don't trade for Trevor Harris if you think Vernon Adams is coming back. But what do you think of the yeah. deal? Now he's in Montreal, mm. rival of the Ticats. D- does, this, does this scare you at all? Or you, you think he's, think he's going to go back to the Ottawa Trevor Harris? Or oh, are you just like, eh, don't care? I don't know, man. I mean, I think it's a good trade for Montreal for, you know, insurance purposes. Uh, Schlitz looked pretty good since he's been in there as a starter. Um, but you never know. He could drop off the next game and be terrible. So He did it against Ottawa. Um, so that, I mean, Ottawa made yeah. David Watford look like the second coming of Lamar Jackson. So Yeah, exactly. Pretty tough. So it's, it's uh, 
I think it's a good trade for Montreal. Uh, I don't know what Edmonton's doing with, you know, they, if they think Cornelius is Cornelius is the uh, future. Like I, I, I've seen some things out of him that I thought, um, you know, there's some potential there. He's a very strong arm. I think he, he can throw the ball downfield accurately, but then he makes like these dumb decisions, and it's just like I don't know if he's going to be the future for them. And like, where do they go if from from here if if he's not right? So they got Pukop. Uh, in there as well. I don't know if he's going to be a starting quarterback in this league. So I think it's a smart idea for Montreal because they think that they're they're a contender and they think they can make a push to the Great Cup. So um, to have Trevor Harris, a guy that looked just atrocious here in Edmonton, but uh, maybe on a new team he can he can improve it. It's kind of funny that Armando Sewell like ripped into him yep. a couple weeks ago and now he's the teammate. But uh, yeah, I think that Montreal is probably doing the right thing, you know, trying to be a contender for the Grey Cup. I think they had to make this trade. I don't know if it's going to make amount to much. Uh, Harris has been bad. It yeah. has been bad. Like, I mean, he wasn't terrible his first year in Edmonton in 2019. But he, even when he's been really good, he's he's never been consistent. Like, mm-hmm. he's... I think he is who he is. I think he's a slightly... He's Matt Nichols with better PR. Like, yeah, very hot and cold. Yeah, very hot and cold. Like we watch. I mean, the the biggest example of that absolutely shreds the Tie Cats in the 2018 East Final. Has one of the greatest games I've ever seen. Completely craps the bed in the Grey Cup. Then the following year, I think completed all but three passes in the East Semi against Montreal. Then comes into Hamilton for the East Final and basically disappears. Like it's you you never get Trevor Harris is is what people think Jeremiah Mazzoli is. Jer, everyone says, Oh, Jeremiah Mazzoli, you never know what kind of Jeremiah Mazzoli you're gonna get. And it's like, well, no, he puts together if he has if he has plays ten games, he puts together like seven really good ones, one and a half bad ones, and one and a half decent like it's not it's like remember when everyone's like, Oh, good Hank, bad Hank? And like Lord mm-hmm. knows I'm I'm not the world's biggest Henry Burris fan. But the good far outweighed the bad. Like, it was... When he was bad, yeah, he was bad. But if he played an 18-game schedule, he was bad for maybe three games, and he was great for 15. Trevor Harris is, like, good for a half, and then you don't know what... Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not... There's no consistency, yep. like you said. I just and don't... And the thing with him is, like, he was good... Um, he was good between the 20s, and then he get into mm-hmm. the red zone, and then he just couldn't throw a touchdown pass. And then, you know, that's not all on him. That's on the offensive play calling, and you know, all that stuff, but it just seems like this year he wasn't good in between the twenties and he wasn't good in the red zone. He was just terrible. So uh, I think it's going to be tough if he, if he slotted in there as a starter at some point to, uh, you know, get his mojo back with a new team. So yeah, it's, it's an interesting move. And I think that the Montreal had to make it, but I don't know if it's going to pay dividends for them or not. No. And, Everyone keeps saying, oh, this reminds them of when Zach Caleros went to Winnipeg. It's like Montreal, as decent as they are, doesn't have Winnipeg's defense from 2019. Doesn't have – I mean, they have William Stanback, who is an Andrew Harris-like player, but it's not the same – I don't think this is an apples-to-apples comparison. I don't think it's an apples-to, like, you know, like, towels comparison, but it's it's like – I mean, it's both, it's both fruit, but it's not an apples-to-apples comparison here. But you brought up something like, where does Edmonton go from here? And I'm just speculating, and I'm going to throw this out here. They hire Tommy Condell as their, as their head coach when they fire Jamie Elizondo, and he brings Jeremiah Mazzoli with him. I think that's an entirely plausible. I would have thought so more after 2019 when the Ticats were running away from everyone and everyone should have been plucking Condell to be their head coach. I don't see – I mean, even after a down year, I don't see why that wouldn't be – a something that Edmonton would want. Edmonton always likes to hire offensive coaches anyway. Like, yeah, they had Chris yeah. Jones. Yeah, they had Kavis Reed, but they hired Jason Moss. They've hired Jamie Elizondo. I think that we know that, that Evans and, and Mazzoli won't both be here next year. And I think the Ticats are going to go with the younger guy. What if mm-hmm. Condell finally gets the head coaching job he's looking for? Takes Mazzoli with him. I think it could happen. But my thing is, where does Trevor Harris go? Like he's not he's not the he's not the long term answer in Montreal. Like we know that's Vernon Adams. This is this is definitely a he's here to the end of the season. He's out on his ass at the end of the year. What landing spots does he have? He's obviously not going back to Edmonton. Calgary's Calgary's no. Would he go back to Ottawa? I don't know. 
Probably not. Not with the Marcel running the show. Does he go back to? Does Toronto go? We want mm. him instead of. Well, because I heard rumors that Arbuckle might be Arbuckle is on the block too. So where does he like? Uh. It almost feels like there's too many quarterbacks for teams, right. which is a good problem to have. It means that there's there's a lot of good quarterbacks out there. But I mean, we we know Mazzoli, one of Mazzoli and Evans is probably going to be on the move. Harris is going to be on the move. Arbuckle is more than likely going to be on the move. Well, that's three starting caliber quarterbacks. There's not three openings. So, no. I mean, maybe Arbuckle goes to goes to Edmonton, and like, it's it's going to mm-hmm. be. I mean, I know we're still smack dab in the middle of the season, but uh, the musical chairs at quarterback can be pretty pretty interesting this off season. Yeah, and you know, a guy like Caleb Evans, who uh, you know had a really good opening game for yeah. Ottawa, has really hit a wall since then. Um, you know, throwing like something like six interceptions in two games, and. You know, reality really crashed down upon him. Uh, but, you know, there's some potential there as well. But uh, are they going to trust in him to be the starting quarterback uh, for years to come? Uh, I'm not sure. So, yeah, you're right. There's, there could be some uh, interesting moves in the offseason. No, I uh, I found Caleb Evans. And I, I said this on Twitter and most most Red Black fans were like, who is this? I, I think he's been entertaining at least. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to be bad, at least be entertaining. Like, don't give me 10-3 games. Give me – I'd rather see a guy just go out there and just huck it. Maybe if he throws four interceptions, so be it. I'd rather have entertainment over over boring losses. Give me entertaining losses over boring losses. I know fans of the team don't really care about that, but as a semi-impartial viewer, like give me, give me entertainment. And, yeah, I don't know if he's shown enough to be given the reins fully. You bring, I think you bring in competition in, in next, mm-hmm. but I think he gets an honest shot to be the starter and you kind of see where it goes from that. The one thing I do know, and I don't care how many red black fans get mad at me with this duck Hodges ain't the answer. Stop thinking he's the guy. He is not the guy he's going to play and he's going to look worse than Caleb Evans. I promise you he is you not we, good. You think we'll be seeing him before the season ends? Oh yeah. I think they're going to, they yeah. signed him to a three year deal. I think they're going to give him a shot at some point. I don't oh, think it'll be this Saturday against the Ticats, but I think at some point he's going to get started. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, Caleb Evans, I, I was pretty, like, not excited, but, uh, you know, it's always good to see a new quarterback come to the league and, you know, put on a show. So uh, I think there is potential there, but uh, he's going to have to, uh, you know, limit those turnovers for sure. Yeah, and I mean, he's going to have to get some weapons around him because Ottawa's offense yeah. is uh, Yeah, bad. Kenny Stafford's like his best, his best receiver. Nothing against... Ex- against Kenny Stafford, but he's a guy that's bounced around quite a bit. He's not a number one. He's not a number one. He's number two. He's like a three or something like that. Um, Okay, before we talk about the upcoming game against Red Blacks, there's one other piece of CFL news we've got to talk about. Uh, Rod Black, everyone's kind of favorite whipping boy, has left TSN. He was was let go uh, last week. Um, I I think it'd be unfair to say that I'm a fan but I've always, what I've always defended Rod Black for, because the one thing, like everyone gets on about like the constant same phrases, and obviously everyone was talking like the same joke, like which is kind of funny. Like everyone got on him for being like Luke Tasker, son of Hall of Famer Steve Tasker, and then everyone kind of made the same joke when he when he when he got I guess essentially fired. I mean, I I don't think we I don't really have to sugarcoat it. He he didn't leave it of his own volition. Like he was like, oh. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think it's kind of funny that in the aftermath, is most people made the same jokes when they always used to love on him. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. the one thing I think, and and I always point to this, go back and listen to his calls of the two Brandon Banks punt returns from the 2014 East Final. When it came to the big moment, I don't think anyone called it better than Rob Black. It It's... He had there's something about he would let the play develop or he would he would let the moment like rest for a bit, but his calls on the big plays, second to none. Second to none. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I mean I think he had yeah, I think I'm with you on that that he had he he had some good calls on big plays. Um but he did annoy me quite a bit. I'm not gonna I, sugarcoat it. No. Uh, and I'm sure you feel the same way. But yeah, yeah I, I you know, it's the same way with uh, like Andre Prue. You know, he's the whipping boy. Um he gets a lot of shit for from people that he doesn't really deserve. So um Rod Black could be annoying, but uh you know, he, he had his, his niche and uh you know, the big plays I thought he did well. And and I gotta say this, I know yeah, he was a whipping boy and everyone hated on him. 
losing him, losing Chris Cuthbert, that's not I don't think that's good. I don't think that's a good thing because these are these are pros and I know they're trying to work in some new people. And I think Dustin Nielsen is kind of the future of play-by-play mm-hmm. for the CFL and TSN. I think he's the best by far. But there's been some and, – and I love Rod Smith, but there's been some rough games from him. And I know a lot of people really like Marshall Ferguson. I find listening to him call a game is like listening to crickets have sex. Like I think he is dull. <laughs> and I, I, got, I got nothing personal against the guy, quite honestly. I know a lot of people – Love love him and love his enthusiasm, but he's about as enthusiastic as a wet fart. Like, I just have not found his, his play-by-play to be all that entertaining. Um, he, he clearly loves the game. I'm not going to take that away from him. He clearly loves Canadian football, and that's awesome. But, man, oh, man, does he just – it sounds like he's calling, like, a church, like, rec league basketball. Like, it just – there's no excitement in his voice. Like, it's mm-hmm. – and I just think that at least with – like Chris Cuthbert's a gold standard and, and none of them are going to – like maybe one day they'll get there. None of them are there now. And Rob Black at least seemed genuine – like he was excited. Like, yeah, it's like he's gone or is he – like, yeah, it, it was cliche and he, he relied on the same seven phrases over and over again. And yeah, like you said, it did annoy me. But man, he, he brought an excitement at least. He seemed excited to be there, whereas I find some of the new guys, especially Ferguson, to be not, not all that great, quite honestly. Yeah, he kind of reminds me of, uh, who was it, uh, John Wells, he used mm. to call games. Mm-hmm. He was like, no enthusiasm in, like, in his voice. And like when I listen to him now, it's kind of like, it's good because, you know, it's nostalgic hearing his voice calling CFL games. But he was not a guy that would get excited over a touchdown or a big play or anything like that. So he was kind of dull. So, yeah, I, I, I can see that for sure. Um, but, yeah, losing Cuthbert sucked and... Rod Black's a guy that can do a lot of jobs. He can, you know, host a panel. I know he didn't do that, but he can. Um, you know, I know they used him on the radio broadcast for the Grey Cup. Um, it, it's a loss, and it's a surprising uh, firing. You know, giving Mid-season? the timing, like yeah, I'm right in the middle of this in the season. I, you know, it would have been nice of them to let him at least play out the rest of the season. But you know, it is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. All right, let's talk about this upcoming game because. I don't want to say it's a must win, but it's a gotta win, right? Like you're hosting the yeah. Red Blacks, you're coming off a bye, you've lost the last two to division rivals, you're kind of clinging to your playoff lives, you're playing, if not the worst team, the second worst team in the league that's starting a rookie quarterback, that is bereft of talent, that have just been getting dog walked by almost anyone who is in the Elks. Must win, I, 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 I only put must win in front of games where it's like, if you lose this game, you do not make the playoffs. Or if you lose this game, you are out of the playoffs. That, to me, is a must win. This is not a must win, but this is a gotta win, is it not? It's a can't lose. There um, you go. That's you know, a great way you, of putting it. You can't lose to Ottawa at home um, when you're 4-5 and five and you need to put together some wins. You have to win the games you're supposed to win. Um if they lose this game, I, I'm going to freak out. I mean, it's just like... If they lose this game, next week is going to basically be one giant expletive. Yeah. And I don't I don't want to hear all the negative stuff after the game either on Twitter, too, because, you know, I want to put out a tweet saying, all right, Tigat fans, you uh, let's hear some positive vibes after this one, you know? Yeah. I, I want them to get in there. I want them to play well. I want them to put up points. I want them to score touchdowns. And I want the defense to just completely shut down this Ottawa offense because it's not too much to ask. This team is not good. So you just can't lose this one. With David Watford starting, and if I'm not mistaken, I don't think Brandon Banks or Braylon Addison played in the game in Ottawa. Addison definitely didn't. But I don't think Banks did either. I don't believe so. And David Watford was starting a quarterback. They essentially shut out Ottawa. Ottawa scored their touchdown on a... Punt, punt return, and I don't even think mm-hmm. Devontae, I think Devontae Dedman's also hurt, so I don't even know if he's going to play in this game. Yeah, I think I saw something that he was out. He was out, so he's the the best weapon that Ottawa has on any side of the ball, won't play. The only one that found the end zone in the times that these teams played before. Mm-hmm. I won't say shut out because it's really hard to shut out a team in the CFL, but if Ottawa scores double-digit points in this game, I will consider that almost as bad as a loss. You should not be allowing this team to score. Like, there is no way on earth. And we're setting ourselves up to look like complete idiots here. 
There is no way on earth they should lose this game. I know we've made, we just made they're going to win three straight Grey Cups. I said at the beginning of the season they were going to go 14-0. and And yeah, you know what? I'll take my lumps for that. And obviously we'll take our lumps. And, you know, the three straight Grey Cups is kind of in jest. But again, I'll take my lumps for that stuff. There is no way they should lose this game. None whatsoever. There is under, no aside from the anything can happen on any day, like the 2% sort of, well, you know, if the ball bounces this way, that's the only chance Ottawa has in this. You know what I mean? Like it's, if Hamilton doesn't win this game by double digits, I don't, then I'm, I'm off the bandwagon. I, they, they, if they don't win this game going away, I'll say that I don't know if they can, if they can win a playoff game. You know what I mean? Like that's how confident I am that they have to absolutely, it's at home where they, they've lost two in a row at home. The first two times they've lost with Orlando Steinhardt at home. There's no way they shouldn't just completely coming off a bye week. So they're more healthy now than they've been probably at any point during the season. Brandon Banks is coming back. Chris Van Zyl is in the lineup. The defense has been, for the most part, really freaking good. And Jeremiah Mazzoli is coming off the best game of his of his season. There's no way this shouldn't be a complete ass kicking. And Braylon Addison's back. I forgot to mention that. And Malik Irons running the ball like he's. This should be a yep. complete ass kicking. No question yeah, asked. It should be a spanking. And you know the way that Jeremiah Mazzoli played last game. Um, there's no reason why he can't play the same way this game. So let's uh, let's pile up the points and let's, you know, really put a whooping on them, get some confidence, and then uh, do the same thing the next week in Edmonton. These two games coming up should be easy wins. Yeah. And if 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 they don't, if they go one and one, they God forbid they go 0-2, yeah, I'm going to be Oh, if they go, if they go 0-2, well. they're not making the playoffs. No, it, and they shouldn't. I mean, if you can't beat... Edmonton, who's just in complete disarray, and Ottawa, who's terrible as well, you don't deserve to be in the playoffs. I agree. I agree. If they don't so. win these next two games, I'm a little – I'm not as confident with the Edmonton game just because it's in Edmonton and, and the Elks have to win at home at some point. But if you're playing Taylor, I, I call him Yukon Cornelius. If you're playing – if that guy's playing a quarterback, there's no way that you should be losing to him. He's – He's showed flashes, but he's not great. But that's for next week. We'll talk about the Elks game next week. Mm-hmm. This one this one against Ottawa, this should be a walk in the park. It, it really should. If they play just as well as they did against Toronto and only score 23 points, that's fine because Ottawa will probably only score three. Like, yeah. they can play None the exact— just hanging around bullcrap, though. Like, that's, that's put this game away, you know, yeah. in the third quarter or yeah. early on. So we don't have to worry about that fourth quarter collapse again. Yeah, it's— that we will be, we will not be having a fun show next week if we are talking about a loss. I can tell you that right now. Definitely not. It will be one of the angriest shows. I mean, the angriest show I think we've ever done was the that lost uh, Calgary. Um, oh, the sixty to one loss. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not even sure if we were that. There. I'm not even sure if we were that angry. Yeah, we were just like shell shocked. I think uh, we were I just like. What were we, we did they fall to like zero and eight or something like that? Yeah, that was yeah, that, that was the year. That, I think by that point we yeah. were so numb to the losses. Yeah, um, but that was like the final straw of like holy yeah, crap. That was the yeah, that was just like you got to be kidding me. You lose by mm-hmm. you give up sixty. Yeah, Jesus. so there might be more anger than uh, than what we had because we pretty much knew at that point that the Ticats weren't a contender. No, obviously zero and seven, zero and eight. So um, if we lose this game, it's going to be uh, you know. Not good. It'll be an all-timer. It'll be, it'll be one. Yeah. If they lose this game, it'll be one that I think will do some of our best numbers because I think people will, will tune in just to hear us swear for 60 consecutive minutes because that's what it'll be. It'll be one continuous long swear word. Mm-hmm. There's, so they're going to win this one. They're going, they're going to. Yeah. They, ha- they to. have to. They have yeah. to. Not, it's not a must win, but what would you say? It's, not, it's a can't lose? Can't lose, yeah. yeah. It's a can't lose. This is absolutely a can't lose game, so... I guess we'll see you on Saturday. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's another one at, at Tim Hortons Field, so I'll be there uh, going right after work. I'll be in my – hopefully it won't be as cold or rainy as it's been around here because that's the thing too. If the weather is messy, I can – Oh, yeah. You never know. No, no. There's no excuse. Both teams got to play in the weather. No excuse. True. This should be an ass kicking. And, uh, yeah, I like your can't lose. I, li- I like that. We're going to go with that. So uh, that was Pods Weaver this week. I'm Josh Smith. Now, my Graham, eat them raw. Eat them raw.